Thanks for tuning into our series, That Part, Intimacy and MS. We are continuing our conversation on self-love and self-acceptance. Today, we are joined by a talented and dynamic woman, Britt. You probably know her as a hot MS. When she introduced us to herself on Instagram, um, one of the things that she wrote in her message just really stuck out to us. She writes, even in a situation of chaos that our world seems to be in at the moment, we still have the power to remain positive. Quote, if you change your perception, you change your reality, end quote. And that was just so, so powerful and spot on. And after reading that, we knew that we had to talk to her. She was perfect for this series. So enjoy the episode. Welcome to season three of the Myelin and Melanin podcast. I'm Dawn. And I'm Dana. We're just two Black women sharing our musings on life, MS, and everything in between. You can always find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're a fan of the podcast, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron through our Patreon. Patrons can gain exclusive access to bonus content, giveaways, chances to join us on the Myelin and Melanin party line, and more. We'd like to thank our music producer, Shah Severe, for providing our podcast music over the years. You can find him on Instagram at shah.severe, and you can also find him on YouTube. Thank you so much for joining us, Britt. You are a perfect addition to our self-acceptance, self-love, self-care conversations. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you, thank you so much for having me, ladies. I'm really appreciative of the opportunity to, to speak with both of you and, and share my story. Thank you. So could you tell us a little bit about your MS story? Sure. So I was, uh, I was diagnosed um, in September of 2019. So about seven, seven and a half months ago or so um, with multiple sclerosis. And huh, it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. I was, uh, you know, two months away from turning 30. Um, and, you know, it, it was it was definitely that shock factor. But I, I want to say that, you know, having been diagnosed with a chronic illness and something that's going to clearly alter my future and alter my health and alter my quality of life and and my mobility and and such as I, I kind of describe the the diagnosis moment in you know in, increments of, of five of five seconds. Um, oh. first second was fear, second second was confusion and panic. Third second was why? And then mm. the fourth and fifth second was kind of I guess a moment of fruition of taking a situation that I cannot control and figuring, you know what, I don't have a choice and I have to figure out how to use this positively and take something that is meant to break me and use it, you know, as something that's going to make me and, and kind of define what my purpose is. So it was, 
kind of a validating moment that I had um, where, you know, I, I felt God's presence in my life and felt reassurance from him saying, okay, well, you know, this is what I want you to do. This is, this is how I want you to use your voice, not just musically, um, you know, mm-hmm. but as a, a voice of positivity and, you know, a voice of hope because it's, it takes a lot to share your story. It takes a lot yes. to share, you know, the dark parts of yourself that, you know, you normally don't advertise. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of really transparent. So it was kind of like a moment of, okay, ride or die, like fight or flight. This is, this is what I have to do. And I have to turn it into something positive. Right. right. I just want to thank you, Brittany. Yes. Um, Don and I, we talk about this all the time in our podcast. Both of us had, have, have had MS for a long mm-hmm. time. Don was 20 years, me 16 years. And it literally took us uh, over a decade. way over a decade yeah. to finally accept. Of course, I mean, we knew we had MS, but we hadn't really fully accepted that MS was a part of who we are. Um, and so I just want to thank you as somebody who is newly diagnosed for having the courage to right. do what you do. It's it's really meaningful for the community and for people who are like us, who are still in a kind of a place of denial. So, yes, thank you. Thank you. And, you know, that's a really hard, hard thing. You know, acceptance is not easy for me. Mm-hmm. I think when I started my pilgrimage, I guess you could say, um, Mm -hmm. as far as motivational speaking and and being an advocate for not only MS, but disability as a whole to break that stigma of what disability looks like. It's like, it's not easy. And for me, it started almost as um, like a self-therapeutic method of acceptance. Like if you talk about it and you advertise it and you talk, not advertise it, like I'm saying, you know, post it on a billboard, advertising it from, you know, your perspective to people close in your life. So by me talking about it and being open, I had, I didn't have a choice to accept it. You know, like you can wear a blue shirt and go around saying to everybody, look at my pink shirt. No, it's blue. Talking about the the shirt is blue. Look at my blue shirt. Isn't it so blue? And you have no other choice, but to accept the fact that, yeah, you're wearing a blue shirt, get comfortable Mm -hmm. with it. Um, So that self-acceptance is a really, really hard thing. Um, you, and I know a lot of people, you know, cope with acceptance in a different way. But again, I think it really goes back to that we categorize painful and unnormal, or I want, I don't want to say unnormal, but things that we don't typically have to deal with that are mm-hmm. now present in our lives. And we view that sometimes as a negative thing. It's like, that's why it's so important when you change your perception, you change your reality. If you change the way that you're looking at something, then you're willing and you're able and willing to welcome it and embrace it. Right. Um, and by doing that, it's, you know, it, it's not only self-healing for you on a positive level, but it's also reflecting and evoking that feeling to other people that may be going yes. through the same right. thing. Absolutely. Definitely. And, you know, this is such a, uh, an important topic. And we began this series with, you know, this whole topic of self-acceptance, you know, and thinking, is it really, it's really a critical part of loving who you are, like loving yourself. Um, and, you know, we just go through these, like, extraordinary measures of, of hiding it or trying to please others without really focusing and saying, you know, staying within ourselves and like getting hold of, of like loving 
us so that we can present to the world and be, um, I don't know, stronger human beings mentally, you know what I mean? Like in order to, yeah. Yeah. Because the the reality is, is that you really can't love yourself until you've accepted yourself. Exactly. 100%. Absolutely. And the narrative, unfortunately, in our society is disabled people don't have fun. And you know what I mean? So we have to like get it in our, in our, in our psyche and say, you know what? Yes, I am disabled. I am using these different devices. However, I'm still having fun. I'm still a badass. I'm still beautiful. Right. I'm so I'm cute. Still exactly. Right. Exactly. Amen. Right. Amen. And I think that's, it that definitely goes, you know, to say something, you know, uh, pretty significant is that we have no problem advertising and praising and patting ourselves on the back for our victories and what we're, you know, successful at and, you know, our achievements. And then when it comes time to talking about, you know, the hard parts and talking about the failures and the train wrecks and then the boat wrecks and then the blow ups, it's like, you know, nobody wants to touch on that subject. And it's like, we have to start changing how we look at our failures because i will tell you right now oh my gosh i have been through hell i have been through so many traumas that somebody my age should never have to experience and if somebody came to me and said hey would you do it all again not that i'm you know some sort of masochist or or glutton for punishment but i would absolutely do it all again because it has shaped me and molded me into who i am today and i'll tell you what what is it right now so it's 10 15 uh, Pacific Standard Time in California, about 45 minutes ago, I was having a complete meltdown, <laughs> you know, just from stress and being overloaded mm-hmm. emotionally with everything going on. And we have to start telling ourselves that there's nothing wrong with that ugly cry, yes. those moments to feel because you're human and, you know, everybody grieves differently. So I hear, yep. you know, unfortunate stories from my followers that will write me and DM me. And I'm always, you know, doing my best to respond, you know, as quickly as possible of saying, you know, you know, they come to me and say, oh, well, this person doesn't understand, or they're telling me I shouldn't be grieving this way. And it's like, we have to stop living so apologetically, because our disasters are there to shape us and mold us. You know, we we learn something from, from every time we fall down. And some people fall down once, and they're going to get it. And then other people, if you're like me, you're going to fall and then you're going to, you know, catch on fire and then you're going to have a piano drop. Oh, right. You know, it's right. like, it's like it turns into like a Looney Tune chaos scene. Uh, right. But, you know, it's all how you perceive it. And if you train your brain to start flipping it into being more optimistic and, and changing the way that you look at it, it's like the option, you know, the opportunities are, are unlimited. Absolutely. So yes. I guess it's safe to say, yeah. or... Can the the question is can you receive love if you haven't accepted yourself? And it's safe to say no, you can't. But that's my opinion. Right, absolutely, you cannot. No way. And I I know that firsthand. Um, for years, I was in a you know really unfortunate abusive marriage. Um, you know, didn't was my first marriage, and you know I I lost myself. I was a shell of a person. I know I was in a depression because I couldn't figure out how to brush my teeth one day. And I'm like, you know what? I think something's a little off here. Something's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like you take those moments and, you know, it really brings clarity to self-worth and you have to have 
determination to value yourself above others. And for a lot of people, mm. that's going to sound like a very narcissistic statement, but it's not. You have to value your self-worth and love yourself and know what you're worth, know what you're capable yes. of, and know what your, what your stamp is going to be left on this earth before you can develop you know, substantial and meaningful relationships with other people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Wow. I mean, what does it really mean? Like, how do we get there? How do we accept ourselves? Like, how do you do it? Yeah. That's such a tricky thing. And, you know, I, I really feel I, this goes back to, I have a lot of people ask me about, you know, medication and, and medicine and, and food and everything. And it's like, there's not one answer that fits all. Yep. It's not one size fits all. Everybody's going to have a different way. Me, um, I use music. I've been, you know, a singer, a songwriter for years, um, singing professionally since I was like four or five. And music has really been a way that I can kind of dive in autobiographically, but use it in a, in an artistic form. I know other people, they write other people sculpt other people, you know, focus on sports. It's like, there are so many different ways that you can hone in on accepting the dark parts of yourself. And I, I really feel that the, the first step in order to do that is to break the stigma of what disability looks like. It's like, I know so many people that are teens still, there's still teenagers that have MS or other disabilities or, um, you know, cerebral palsy. And, and it's like, we have this preconceived idea that disability is associated with senior citizens. And that is so far beyond. And I, I know firsthand, just from when I started looking into walking canes and mobility aids, um, my neurologist at the time was telling me, hey, you know, you might want to start looking into it because I was throwing off my right side for overcompensating for the lack of ability on my left. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. every single website I went to to look for a cane um, had senior citizens plastered all over their website. Now, which is amazing. Yeah. And I'm not dissing <laughs> on the seniors of the world, you know, right, right. They're, they have way more experience than we do. Um, and there's a lot that we can learn as far as, you know, just life experience and how to handle things. But from somebody in their 30s that is still vibrant, is still, you know, into fashion and into expressing themselves um, through apparel and whatnot. And uh, in an artistic sense, it's like, I wanted to see someone like me on those websites rock came because not only from like a business and marketing standpoint, it's like you have this tiny demographic of seniors 65 and older that use the mobility aids and then, you know, they pass on and then the next generation comes by widening that marketing standpoint to a younger generation, you're like quadrupling your That's algorithm right. of who you're targeting. You know, yes. And it's not only doing that from a marketing standpoint, but it's also, you know, empowering and, and bringing confidence to the younger generations that are like, oh my gosh, canes are for old people. I don't want to use yes. this. And then they have a different view on it and they feel more right. confident. To I, use it. We, Dana and I were yes. just talking and I said, when I was diagnosed year one, somebody had kind of gave me a doom or gloom speech and they were like, Oh, you know, this is really serious and you know, it's going to progress. So by the time you're like 40, you're going to be in a wheelchair. And it's like, okay, thank you for, for being my, you know, Miss Cleo 
clairvoyant psychic. Um, but um, I wasn't right. asking for your opinion or your unsolicited, unsolicited advice, but here we go. And so what I saw at that time and over the years, I can say even since childhood was women in wheelchairs or using canes or walkers. But like you said, Britt, like, you know, very old, elderly, hunched over. And then the people that weren't super old were not, they were not dressed. Um, they were just dressed like really frumpy and just not attractive in their, mm -hmm. the way they presented themselves. You know what I mean? Like they would be right. And, but then turn around and you look at men and it's like, oh, they're, they're like all buffed and everything in there and their wheelchairs, they're going to, yeah, they look good. And then yeah, you her. see them on mm -hmm. magazine covers or like, I don't know, one of the, the uh, newlywed or, or marriage magazines, I won't call out the one I saw, but it was like this beautiful woman in this gorgeous gown and then this guy in a wheelchair and it's like, and he looks amazing and it's like all they do is focus on mm -hmm. what men should look like in wheelchairs or you know what i mean it, this is my perception over the years what i've seen i've only seen men getting that like pat on the back like yeah man you're you're looking good your arms are buff your biceps are great and it's like the women well okay just right. throw on a muumu and sit in a chair and you'll you're gonna be okay I don't know. Maybe I'm alone in that thinking, but that's right. kind of like yeah. what we see. And so it, those are the images. And so those are then the images that were going fed. back to yeah. the original question, accepting, like, can you accept it? It's like, well, well, no, because I'm being thrown all these different images and I'm trying to like navigate how I feel about my diagnosis. Number one, I'm trying not to be in denial. Number two, and what am I seeing here? Like, this is, this is my fate. So I can't accept this. I don't want to accept it. So. Absolutely. And that's a hard thing too. It's like when I was first diagnosed and started using a, a walking cane and whatnot, you know, I got comments from coworkers, friends, and then, you know, the, the very outspoken total stranger that just feels the need to dive into the, the personal aspects of your life. And at first I got defensive. I mean, come on, I'm East Coast Italian and a Scorpio. So it's like, <laughs> no fury, like somebody from Boston. Um, but, you know, it wasn't doing me any justice and it wasn't you know, engulfing and, and preaching my message either. So now if somebody does say something, I say, you know what, I, I have a, a neurological, you know, disability called multiple sclerosis, it, it gives me some mobility issues. And, and you can see, you know, the, the, the person that you're talking to start to kind of their wheels start turning and they start thinking and it's like, you know what, you can be a jerk and you can, you know, air your opinion of why you think a young woman mm -hmm. makeup and her hair done using right. a cane shouldn't be parked in handicap parking. Um, right. You know, but that's all we can do. And, you know, I, a lot of people, you know, that know me and are close to me in the beginning, they weren't really understanding. They're like, um, well, you just want to advertise and you're just doing it for attention. It's like, look, I'm a theater. Major. Holy. I can tap dance like no other <laughs> down the aisles of the frozen food section. At right. I can get attention in other ways. I'm you right. Know, I'm I'm an outspoken, fully tattooed individual. Yeah. I can seek a, attention yeah. in other ways for sure. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, but by me 
you know, staying consistent with that path and sharing my story, it's like, I'm not doing it for seeking attention. I'm doing it to widen the lens of perception and widen, you know, the lens of reality of somebody that is in her thirties that has a chronic illness. And you know what, I may be in a wheelchair one day. And if I am bring it on because I'm going (laughs) to figure out a way to like install shocks on that baby. And you know, have yeah. glow in the dark or some some crazy right. stuff and hook up my speaker system to it. So it's like, you know, and I think as far as like females in this world, you know, we're we're definitely seeing more. Um, you know, I do follow uh, her name's Angela Rockwood. She's a public figure. Uh, she does. Uh, oh, my gosh. What is the name of the, the group? Uh, Charlie's Warriors. So it's kind of like a Charlie's uh, Angels kind of theme. And, you know, these are these are women with um, spinal cord injuries and, you know, paralyzed or uh, neurological conditions that are wheelchair bound and they are rocking it. Oh, my goodness. You go on Charlie's Warriors and you see these images of these strong, done up, confident women. Not that I'm saying that in order to feel confident, you need to learn how to you know contour your face and put on a perfect eyebrow. Right. Everybody's image of what makes them confident is different. If if painting your face green and wearing a top hat makes you feel beautiful, then do it. And we have to start mm-hmm. learning that everybody's, um, you know, method of healing and coping and confidence is unique and beautiful and something that to be accepted of. No, it's not one size fits all. Oh, you have to, you know, put on red lips and you'll feel better. It's like, no. Right doesn't matter if you don't believe in and makeup or are viewing that you know right we have to start being kinder to ourselves i think and um you know start mm-hmm. respecting the way that others perceive beauty definitely you touched on a lot in that but i think like the main thing that i'm really taking away from that is really the importance of taking up space no matter who you are what you're in if you're in a wheelchair you know, using a cane, walker, whatever, really not being afraid to take up the space that you need, whatever that looks like. Absolutely. Um, And I think so often, especially when you are, I mean, I can just speak for myself. When I started to use a wheelchair, you know, not too long ago, I hid away and confined myself to you know, my own, the safety of home because I was scared that people were going to look at me weird. Like here's this young woman using a wheelchair and, you know, worried about what people would think about me and worried about taking up space. And it's like, you know what? No, you know, if, yeah. Um, yeah. We have to stop yeah. being so apologetic. And I think that's a really yes. controversial topic. Um, you know, as far as multiple sclerosis goes and wheelchairs, you know, there are plenty of ambulatory mm-hmm. wheelchair users out there. And, mm-hmm. you know, a few months before, um, you know, everything started with this virus um, and before mm-hmm. I was, you know, locked down in my house like a hamster. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I, uh, I I went with my mom to a shopping outlet in Palm Springs and I could not make it um, longer than two store lengths without mm-hmm you know, sitting down on a bench. And I, it started to put that idea in my head that, you know what, it's something that I have to be open to. And there's no problem with, you know, if if you need to use a wheelchair, if you're having a flare up or you just had an infusion that is kicking you on your behind, it's like, we have to stop worrying about what other people think. And I'll tell you what, I grew up 
a theater kid, um, grew up a singer in a very sports oriented town in Boston, Massachusetts, where, you know, the arts kids were the geeks. And mm -hmm. I learned at a really young age, it's like, I felt so much more freedom and reassurance that I was being yes. true to myself yeah. when I mm -hmm. stopped caring what other people think. Yep. Um, yeah. So, and I know that that's a lesson that, you know, adults are still figuring out. Yep. I'll tell you when you start caring less about seeking the approval of others, there's so much more, you know, joy and affirmation in the fact that you're living your true self mm -hmm. and you're being mm -hmm. true to yourself. Yeah. And there's a confidence in that. Oh my Definitely. gosh. I want you to repeat that. Like, say it again. We're in church. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, yeah. yes, all of that. Yeah. All of that. It's a, it's a hard thing to do, but you know, I think by sharing our stories and getting more comfortable with the weird parts of ourselves or, mm -hmm. you know, the odd parts or the, the bad parts. It's like, okay, let's get real. MS equals bladder control. I've had bladder yes. control issues for years. And I'm like, okay, yes. wait, are 30 year olds supposed to pee themselves when they laugh or sneeze? It's like, no. Right, right, right. And, you know, I, I, you know, I've never given birth. I, I have two children from, from my husband, um, but you know, I, I've never given birth. So it's like, okay, well, why am I still yeah. being myself people, you know? And it's like, <laughs> right. you, have to, you have to talk about it because it sucks yes. and it's awful and it's weird and it's like ugly, but it's like, you know, one of my first blogs when I started my website was, um, you're not cool unless you pee your pants. And if, whoever, anybody who's ever seen, uh, I think it was Billy Madison with Adam Sandler, the little kid in the scene, he wets himself. So what does Adam Sandler do or Billy Madison in this case? Um, I think it, it was Billy Madison, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, he puts water on his pants to say, no, yeah. dude, it's cool. You're not cool unless <laughs> right. you your pants. It's like, you have to start right. like, thank you right. Adam Sandler for that scene. It's like, you have to start taking, you know, the bad parts and flipping them. And, Yes. You know, when I would first start losing my balance, um, you know, my kids would freak out and say, oh, my gosh, mom, are you OK? Are you OK? And it's like nobody panic. Just laugh. Be like, mm -hmm. ah, look out for that. You know, I worked in an office right, yeah. where I fell down the hallway at least twice a week. And what did right. I do? Instead of crying about it, I got in touch with the building's management security guy and say, hey, I fell this time on this day. Can you email me the footage? <sighs> and I've got a gag reel now of me eating it in the hallway. Which is terrible. <laughs> like, right. You no, know, it's like we have to start loving the crappy parts of ourselves. And that's not an easy thing to do. But the more we talk about it and find humor, because I'm sorry, a 30 year old yeah. peeing themselves, yeah. come on, that's kind of funny. Uh, right. You know, it's I, like you can't yeah. trust a sneeze, you can't trust a fart, just know that right. that's going to happen. And when it does, yeah. laugh about it, fix it, and move on. That is so important, um, what you said, because I think a lot of times people like to sanitize MS as being, oh, well, it's really not that bad. They want to show all the pretty parts, like people, you know, who, you know, aren't scary looking. They don't want to scare people. Right. But MS is a fucked up disease. And it there's a lot of weird crazy, crappy, scary stuff that ha stuff that happens. And I think it's so important. And this is what Don and I try to do in the podcast. Talk about everything. 
there's, I mean, MS is, I mean, it's what you make it, right? but mm-hmm. it's not always pretty and it's okay to talk about that stuff. Absolutely. It's fine. Yeah. Um, 100%. So yeah. Yeah. One of yeah. the, one of the first pictures that I posted on my Instagram was a, a photo of me in my wedding dress. And I had, I, I had gotten so kind of not, you know, sick and tired of it, but kind of like bamboozled, if you will, mm-hmm. over people saying, wow, you look so good. Like they were automatically assuming that they were supposed to see, you know, this in a wheelchair, you know, decrepit, not physically kept low hygienic, you know, hygienic person. And it's like, I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, why are people mm-hmm. keep saying this? Like, mm-hmm. wow, you look so yes. good. You look so good. Like they already knew what they were supposed to, uh, you know, uh, visually affiliate it with. So my response right. was, well, yeah, MS don't make you ugly. Like, oh, right. The, the disease in itself is like 90% of it is invisible. You know, I've got yep. weird, shocky things going on with my left side that feel like I just put my hand in a, an electric socket. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't see that. And, you know, it, I don't think it's necessarily our faults. I think it's how society and our culture has depicted what disability looks like. Okay, it's a, it's yep. a blue icon with somebody in a wheelchair. There has mm-hmm. to be a widened perspective of just because you can't see it does not mean that it's not there. And it's like, I think mm-hmm. it's the ignorance that we really need to work on deteriorating as a whole. Yes. Prior to me using any type of Definitely. mobility device, my gait was was off a lot. And I remember trying to walk in a straight line from my car, parked in the handicap space, to the front door at Target. And I used to use my son's shoulder. And I would lean on him. And he would be like, Mommy, you're hurting my shoulder. But I'm like, I have to use it. You know, <laughs> I didn't realize how much pressure I was putting on him. But it helped me not look like drunk. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. Because I'm getting yeah. out of the car at the handicap space. And of course, people are looking at me like, oh, she's not using any type of device. So she's okay. And then, right. then you have your son, you're holding his hand. Mm-hmm. And then I'm walking. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I'm, I know I'm looking crazy. And so I'm like, are people going to start calling like Child Protective Services because they're thinking I'm drinking and driving and then I'm walking into Target and I'm drunk with my son. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. all, yeah. And it's like, it's nerve wracking and it's frustrating and it's definitely disheartening to have those moments where you have people stare at you, but it's like mm-hmm. me personally, it's, it's like, I'm the kind of person now that if I walk into target or something with my kids and I'm shopping and I have my cane and someone stares at it, I'll say something. I'll be like, you gotta, you gotta make it leopard. Right. I love my leopard cane. My yeah. leopard cane's like my go-to mm-hmm. one. It's just comfortable. Yeah. And so it's like, that's my, that's my, my, my daily um, one that I like to use when I go out uh-huh. and, you know, we have to start like breaking the ice and I don't know, maybe it's cause I'm East coast and, you know, people from the East coast, they're very talkative. Um, I noticed when I moved to California, it's like people aren't really super um, into engaging if they don't have a, you know, a, a uh-huh. relationship with you. So, right. um, you know, and I'm the kind of person that's like, I'll go off, you know, to a llama and start, you know, an in-depth conversation on philosophical, <laughs> like whatever. Um, but, you know, when I would see somebody stare, I'll say something and be like, got to make it leopard. And then they go, yeah, oh my gosh, I love it. And then they say, oh, do you have an act? Did you have an accident? And it's like, yes. you have to start kind of breaking the ice. Yep. And it's like, 
yeah. calling people out and being like, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? But, you know, approach it from a different way or um, even in the mailroom of the of the office building I used to work at, walking by the mailroom, I would use the cane and, you know, kind of do like a vaudeville kind of act. And it kind of broke the ice of seeing the mail people stare at me walking by, you know, the mailroom right. door, you know, down the hallway of the office building every day with a cane. Well, what's wrong with her? So you turn it into something funny. Now, comedy isn't for everyone. Um, right. You know, I'm not saying like, hey, like brush up on your stand up and figure out. <laughs> right. Rob but it's like, start to approach it from a different way because when you walk in somewhere and you are being stared at and you feel sorry for yourself, all you're doing is amplifying the title yeah. of playing yes. the victim. That's all you're doing. Yeah. Me, yes, this sucks. Oh, I know it sucks. It's like, no, stop, stop feeling sorry for yourself. You know, be funny about it. Be, you know, proud about it. Stand up taller. It's like, we have to stop categorizing ourselves in how others are perceiving that know nothing. Right. You know I mean? Right. And it, it took me a minute to get there, honestly, because I was in that, you know, mm -hmm. terrible denial. It took me a second to say, you know what, let's look at this in a fun way, or let's just be okay about it and not be defensive. If somebody's staring at you because you have an invisible illness, they can't really see the whole thing. They only see bits and pieces right. of what's going on. And I, I, because I ended up like having to explain all of this in my mind. I'm like, why am I explaining right. this? Like, why am I trying to like be prepared right. to give this whole yeah, like, like your life story to somebody? Kind of like, you know, you yeah. have your, your bag of ammo, meaning your, your medical explanation. And it's like, you know, that's not anybody's <laughs> business. Um, yep. But having those moments right. of, of education, I think are important to, bringing a, you know, an awareness that people are not necessarily ignorant to, I don't want to use ignorant because that's a, a more negative word, but they're not, mm -hmm. um, they're not uh, surrounded with as much. Right. Um, you know, like even, even, you know, accessibility in, in dressing rooms at stores. I was in a dressing room a couple months ago and, uh, you know, walking in and I, I requested the, the handicap. I had my AFO on, my AFO brace. Mm -hmm. It was a really day that was the day that I could not walk from like more than two story lengths without you know finding a bench and and sitting down next to someone eating a corn dog and then going gosh I really want a corn dog now mm -hmm. uh, you know but you know I requested the handicap uh stall and the the young gentleman who was you know probably no more than 17 18 saying well it's reserved for for handicap um and I go okay you know I'm, I'm requesting that and he goes well you're not handicapped and I'll tell you and this is it it's difficult and it's really hard. There was a split second where I wanted to go, you know, Boston on him. And I'm like, okay, right. right. <laughs> what would Mark Wahlberg do? <laughs> right. <laughs> but at, at, you know, a second later, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to explain and be like, you know what? Hey, I have MS. Here's my AFO. I'm having a rough day, you know? So unless you want to hold me up in a smaller room, you know, right. no one's in here. Just let me have the bigger room. And I did bring it up to management after and said, Hey, I'm not, you know, dissing your, you know, uh, dressing room attendant. Mm -hmm. I'm not, not telling you this to, you know, inflict any sort of negative, um, right. you know, implementation on his employment or, you know, a, a black star mm -hmm. on his daily report, whatever, you know, just bringing it to you guys to have that, that wider lens and that, you know, different, yeah perception that don't just assume, 
You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So yes, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's hard to get people to start thinking outside of the box because they were visual, you know, in this society, we are visual people, visual learners. Most people want to see it. And if they don't see it, they don't believe it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Doing what we're doing and, and sharing stories like this and, and, you know, bringing more of the reality of it, I think to the surface is something that eventually it's going to stick and eventually it's going to be a more permanent, um, you know, change that we're seeing in society and culture. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And I think the bottom line of all of this is that, you know, the more that we talk about it and normalize these things, the easier it is, I think, to really get to that point of acceptance and get to that point of really loving yourself and knowing that, hey, you know, this is, it is what it is. And I am me and I accept myself and I love myself. And that's just it, period. Absolutely. No no explanation. That's such a beautiful and empowering thing that, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with is finding that self-love and that self-acceptance. And we have to be kinder to ourselves. And it's like, look, if if you're into didgeridoo music and just because it's not on top 40, that's not weird. That's super, that is super cool. Like teach me what you know what I mean? It's like, we have to start thinking like that. And, you know, it's very easy for people, I think in the arts community to do that because it is all about, you know, being accepting of other art forms and welcoming Mm -hmm you know, diversity and, um, you know, stepping outside of that, that comfort zone. But Mm -hmm. I think that's something that we can, you know, bring to the table as far as people that don't necessarily think that way of, um, you know, and you're not going to win everybody. We have to know that we, we have to know that, you know, we're, we're not going to change the whole world, but if we change the percentage of it, that's awesome. If we change 20 people's perspective, that's equally as awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the absolutely can't measure the impact that we have in like a numbers sort of, you know, calculation to define right. like what our success rate of change is, you know, it's, yeah. it's all relevant. Yes, absolutely. Wow. This was such a great conversation. Great Thank you conversation. so much. Yeah. Right. Thank you, ladies. I, I'm wonderful. enjoying myself so much talking to the two of you. And I, I've, I've, you know, familiarized myself like with what you guys do and, um, you know, your podcast and everything. And I think it's so, so important. It's like, we, we need this. This is what, yes. you know, bring more awareness and hearing people's stories and hearing the diversity of people's views. It's like, right. That's amazing. Thank yes. You. Everyone, yeah. everyone has a story to tell everybody this is this was a fulfilling conversation for sure yes yeah yes so Britt, can you tell us and tell everyone where they can connect with you online how can people find you sure so uh, you can obviously go to my website which is uh, well i'm branded and i'm I'm known online social media um, platforms whatnot as a hot ms see again i'm a hot mess and you have to embrace that (laughs) yeah Um, so you can find me on my website which can be found at www.ahotms so that's uh, www.ahotms i'm also on instagram at ahotms uh, Facebook and I just started tweeting, but I'm figuring out how to fly still. So I think I'm still in my little bird nest. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So you can find me, uh, uh, website, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
fantastic. Thank this you was so great. much. Thank you yeah. so much, Brittany. Thank you so much this was great. for having me. Keep doing what you're doing because, you know, every every show that you advertise and every message that you air, it's, it's just, it's widening that lens of, um, you know, the fact that when you do change your perception, you change your reality. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Your energy Thank is you. amazing. Thank you. Yes. yes. Thank you ladies yes. so, so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Myelin and Melanin podcast. You can always find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can always subscribe to us on YouTube. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.